Okay, Boker Tov, we're at Gemara Mo'i Kotten Daf Vav Amid Aleph. We quoted a long brysa, and now it's just a few lines to deal with the last part of the brysa. We're talking about, if, remember, if you're not sure if there were graves buried in a certain field, so what we have to do to ensure that no one becomes Tame, so Rabbi Yehuda added one last statement. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, we presume a field is presumed to be intact, to have not a problem, unless there's an elder, sage, or a student in that place that can testify it was plowed. Okay, you have to know that it was okay, but unless someone tells us it's plowed. So in other words, you have to have good, now this could be years ago. You have to remember, it could have been 200 years ago. So you have to have an old Jew say, hey, I remember, I remember it was... Uh, it was plowed. Then it becomes a base of pras. Why we have to rely on them? Very obvious. Because not everyone is an expert in this matter. So what do you mean an expert in this matter? Not an expert in terms of uh, skill, but an expert in remembering things. As we see from the next statement, Amar Abai, Abai says, from this last statement of Yehuda, we learn an important lesson. We hear from this, when there is a young Torah scholar in a city, all the city's martyrs are incumbent upon him. What do you mean by incumbent upon him? Because a Torah student, Rashi says, is knowledgeable in all areas. Why? Because he lives his life figuring out where does the Torah intersect with what I'm seeing going on in my life. You imagine a bunch of non-Jews, they just see a plow coming to a field and plowing it out. They say, ah, it's, who cares? It doesn't matter anything. But a Torah student's going to say, wait a minute, there's all kinds of halachas. Everything in this world is, is decided by halacha. It's all part of Hashem's world. So he sees some plows or something, he's going to make a note of this. And because he knows, what does it matter? What do you mean? It could be tumah. And therefore, and they usually are involved in areas that affect people's lives, and especially their Torah observance. Okay, that ends this working on that brisa. So How now, did that Torah scholar know what happened to the two hundred? No, then he would know from another one. You're right. It's got to be, and then he would. They would say, "Oh, we don't use this field." And the Torah scholar would ask, "Why are we not using this field?" Yeah. So, in other words, that field always will have a Torah scholar who's looking at that field and wondering what's going on with that field. Why have they not used it? Yeah. So he's going to ask an old Torah scholar who will tell him. In other words, they're always aware of their surroundings and they're going to ask questions and get to the bottom of all those realities. Okay. Now we go back to the markings. When we say we mark things for Tuma. And remember, we had a mission that said we don't want to mark too much. So now the question is, now we're going to be very precise in the markings. Remember, this is not monuments. Not monuments. It's just markings. And what is the marking is also going to make a difference. We're going to see we're going to want to mark exactly what is necessary, not more, not less. And sometimes it becomes an issue because what if there's more than one grave in a field? Unless you got a grave here and a grave a few feet away. What kind of marking do we do for that? So that becomes the next thrilling topic. 
Amar Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda said, Motza Evan Mitsuyenes. You're walking through a field. You find a single stone and it's marked with lime over it. So what should you assume is the reality? Takteha Tome. The Tome is right below the stone. Okay? Now, since it's got uh, a stone has a certain degree of height and it's visible from a distance, so it doesn't have to go beyond the boundary of the tumma. So assuming a person gets, as they say, they're six feet, so the, we don't, the problem is the six feet. That's it. Nothing more is wrong. You can go right next to the six feet, around the six feet, so the six feet is the problem. So if you put a stone that's six feet, and you mark it with lime. A we, stone that's six feet? No, a stone that's or a couple feet. stones. Not necessarily so one stone. six foot, a big area. What? What? Well, that's, uh, that doesn't feet. seem the way the Gemara is discussing, because it's saying it's beneath the stone. As we will see, what, what you're talking about is going to be with two graves. But uh, it, it's possible. You put stone, uh, and it's got some height, exactly how many stones, whatever. But clearly, it uh, the tuma is going to be wherever the body is. There's no question. If you just put a little marker, it's not delineating the area. Okay. So since the stone has height, if it's got height, you can see it from far away. By contrast, when lime is poured upon the ground as a marker, it does have to extend beyond the precise location of the burial tuma since it not, might not be noticed by a pedestrian until he is upon it, okay? So therefore, it's gotta go a little bit more. Because the problem is like a guy is walking. Now, not everybody is always looking so far ahead. So if there's a stone, you see a stone in front of you, and it doesn't have to be huge. I mean, you could theoretically walk over the stone. A six-foot stone's huge. No, but it's low. It's it's low, but it's still a stone. So then the stone only has to cover exactly where the tumma is. The person will be careful. He won't walk on the stone. But if you're only... Now, this is if you put that right on top. If you're only using lime, then you got to go beyond because you're not going to notice the lime on the first step. You come up and then say, oh, I'm on some lime. So you got to move it and therefore, it might not be noticed. So therefore, if you find... That's why they painted more. Yes. So even if you so, step on it, then you know you stop. Right, so when you come upon a field, and what do you see? You see a marker, you see a stone like that size, you know the tumma is directly below it and not anywhere else. That's number one. But what if, now we're gonna have two stones. Now we're gonna see what's going on over. Stein, what do you find two stones in proximity? A stone here and not very far away, you know, close. Uh, another one. So now the question is, certainly the area under stone A is tummy. Stone B is tummy. What about this area in between? Could be there's nothing there. How are we gonna analyze that? So now it depends on how it was marked. If there's lime on the ground between the stones, stone, lime, stones, then they nahem tummy. Then the air between them is tummy, because why did they put the lime there? 
obviously fill marker there. Why did they not put a stone in between? I don't know. They didn't have a stone. Three stones. Yeah. Why did they make it? Can't tell you. But uh, we assume if they put bothered to put lime, why are you putting lime? You have a stone here, a stone there, so you could walk in between the stones, because we said the stone only the area. Yeah, but if you put some lime there, then they're trying to tell you there's something else in between. They im ain seed beinayim, and if there is no lime between them, then beinayim tor the air between them is tor. Now he adds one point: the af al gav deleka chorish. Oh, well, stop, stop. Now Gemara asks the question: the af al gav deleka chorish. Does that mean even though there's no indication of plowing having been done, the area is tor if there's no lime? Remember, if there's indication of plowing, then we have a problem. It could be that some body parts got moved around, right? So in other words, in other words, does the lack of lime, in fact, you don't have any lime on the ground in between, does it prove that it's tar, even if it doesn't seem to have been plowed? Okay, is, is that what you're going to tell me? The lack of lime means that it's tar, even though it has not been plowed? Even though something in Vahatanya, in other words, you're saying you don't have to worry about anything. Well, let's see a Brisa that seems to change that. Uh, it's different. Brisa says, Evan if one finds a single marked stone, underneath his Stein, if there's two marked stones in proximity, now the Brisa says it depends. If there's an indication that plowing was done between the stones, then then it is tahor. Why? Since it's not known with certainty there was ever tumma between the stones, and even if there was once tumma, it may have been scattered by the plowing, we assume the area is tar. If you see it's been plowed, then if there was anything, we assume it's been plowed out. Or we can assume the person who plowed the area knew there was no tumma there. In other words, what are we plowing there for? Why was it plowed? If there would have been a person there, it would not have been plowed. But vimlav, but if it was not plowed, beneim tame. Okay, even though there is no line, that's what the Brisa seems to say. The presumption is that the stones mark the two ends of a grave. And the person who placed them did not bother to mark the ground in between. So now it could be maybe it was one person. He put it on the other sides. But now the fact that if it was not plowed, so the assumption is that there was some tumma over there and no one plowed in between them. So that's what the Bryce is saying, that the fact that there's no line is still judged tummy unless it's been plowed. Okay, if you see it's plowed, well, if it's plowed, we assume there was nothing there. That's what the Bryce is saying. And if it's not plowed, we assume he was just marking from here to here and in between his tummy. While the statement earlier of Rabbi Yehuda just didn't make any difference if it's plowed or not. It didn't make a difference. It seems even if it's not plowed, uh, the area would not be tummy if there's no line. So what's going on over there? So the more is going to say it's going to be a difference in how the line seems to be spread. Yeah? When we say they mark the end of the what do we say? Like the, where, the, where the head? And the foot. And so they put 
the head, but he only put one stone. No, this guy put two. He put two stones for two graves. No, no for no, one grave. Because no. that's a small no, stone. We assume it's one grave, there's two stones, one at the head, one at the foot. Yeah. And between... Yeah, but Shelly's right, it could have been two graves. But it, but it, that's very small amount for a grave. Because remember the first one, it, remember we said before, you find one stone, yes. what do we say? That which is beneath, beneath it. it yes. But understand, if, if the person is uh, six so, feet. Like two stones would assume they're two uh, graves. Naturally, like, like Shelley says. Well, see, this is the whole problem with this Gemara. If you're saying there's two stones, you assume uh, that there's, there's two, two separate graves. graves. Well, the, uh, the obvious question I why would ask is, why don't we look at the size of the stone? Oh, okay, well, that's another one. Right. That wouldn't make a difference. Well, no, if it's a six-foot stone. Oh, well, Remember, what was the first statement? The first statement said, if you find a stone, that which is underneath his tummy. Yeah. Okay, well... How, how how long is a body? They don't say how big the stone has to be. We assume the stone underneath Tommy, period. Okay, so let's say you buried a body that's this big, six feet. Yeah. Okay? You put a put stone, stone over there, here. Right. What did we say? Underneath the stone. So what about over here? Yeah, yeah. Well, so the issue is very difficult to understand. Precise. Why don't we just look at the size of the stone? Now, it could be you bury a newborn. What? You bury a oh, newborn. Newborn. Which was not uncommon in those days. High mortality rates. Yes. High mortality rates. Yes. Uh, even if the baby is, uh, what do you call it? Um, premature? No, uh, not premature. Uh, no, when the woman's pregnancy doesn't go full term. Um, miscarriage. Stillborn. Stillborn. Still has to be buried. Miscarriage after five months has to be buried. Yeah. How big is a baby that's five months? So you still got to bury it, still got to put a stone. So now the question, you don't, you don't know what kind of stones we have. So I imagine being an adult, be a big stone. But it was not, nowadays, Baruch Hashem, you go to a cemetery, it's very uncommon to bury little babies. Baruch Hashem. So that's what, see the problem is we're looking at things from our perspective yeah. going to cemetery today where Nebuch, if a little, there's a stillborn, they don't bury them in expensive sections. <laughs> you know, uh, plot now, I'm trying to keep track, it always, it's always, this one thing, always, I'm telling you, if you want to make money, invest in plots. It, it, it goes up faster than uh, stuff in the bank. You know, when we started the shul, well, no, we started the shul, it was like, I think $2,000 a plot. Now it's over $5,000 a plot. So that's a lot. That's for six feet, 5000 is a pretty, I don't know if it comes to real estate. It's pretty expensive real estate. And then if a little baby dies, they're not going to spend it on a big plot unless, unless a member wants to spend it on a big plot. Whether they put it at the side of the cemetery where there's no plots, it's just over there. So that's what we have today. So therefore, you just assume that every cemetery, well, it's got six feet, you know, and we got, so then uh, nothing to think. But in those days, it was it was like an everyday occurrence. So there were, a little baby was more than a 50% mortality, a yeah, very high. So now you got little babies, so you're not gonna give them big spaces. So, we're so, so you don't know if it was a little baby, it was two little babies, or let's say it's an adult. 
Yeah, See, if an adult, and they didn't have a lot of stone. So I put a little stone here, a little stone here. But it could be two babies. Yeah, but it's not likely that they're going to have two babies side by side. Why not? Why not? Why not? We don't know what to assume. Exactly. Exactly. That's why we need guidance. You're seeing stones. You're seeing lime. You know there's a cemetery there. Now the question is how much of that land is buried underneath people or how much land is not. We assume this is a cemetery or just this... Well, you walk. Well, how do we determine what to deal with? Remember, people die to just bury them somewhere. Where? Anywhere? Anywhere. Yaakov Avino was traveling back home. His wife dies. Guess what? He buried. She buried. He buried her on the road. Like you have to remember, there's no. Is that someone died? Okay, let's call Steels. Even if never, someone dies on the road nowadays. You call up. You don't bury anybody on the side of the road. But this is, it's all a modern convention from only, I don't know, a couple hundred years, you know, and having, you know, official cemeteries, and you did, life was not so simple. Remember, imagine there's no such thing as a funeral home. It does not exist. What do you got? You got, uh, in, you're a, a, a village, right? You're a village here, it's a village there, a village there, okay? Now, you're, you're traveling along, and you die along the way. Not uncommon, we're traveling in, there were highwaymen. You get murdered. You see, you see a Jew is murdered in an Arab uh, between. You know, imagine in Israel, you had lots of non-Jews in Israel. Unfortunately, even in the times of thousands of years ago, got police team. You got all whatever. Oh, they see it. What's not uncommon? A Jew got murdered. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna schlep him with what? With a car? With a wagon? With this? With that? Unknown guy? You just bury him. Right. So then, since it's that's why when you're learning this Gemara from your 21st century perspective, you just wonder what was wrong with them. But the answer is they were doing exactly what would normally happen, and you don't like have to ask permission. It's not like you need zoning and all these things. You're traveling. You're traveling on the road, and you you don't want to be tummy. And now you so you have to have some. And that's why you have to mark it. So all you need of marking it, so people won't go. So now you you're going through a field, and you uh, you notice some stones over there. So now you got to think about it. You know, is is there some kind of marker or not? Yeah. Yeah. So tumor goes straight up. So how close can you get to the stone before you get the tumor? When you become over the stone. So any over, so you get up the stone, you can't go over the stone. Yeah, but we, we make we tell a coin to be at least four amos away. Yeah. Just to be careful, you know, you could have, for example, I'll give you why. You're going to say, well, I understand what's on Steve's mind. Steve's uh, saying, why can't I go to the cemetery? I'll just stay away from the stones. That's a reasonable question. So there's two answers to that. Number one is there's a heck of a lot of trees. In a cemetery. And when you, even even going on the road, depending on how good the cemetery is in terms of cutting off branches, but if you notice, uh, at Parde Shalom, I mean, really, ideally, a cemetery shouldn't have any trees. No trees. But you can't decide. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people want, want it to look nice. So they want to see trees and their shade and these things, which is Irish kite. But anyway, so, so certain, like in Lampton Cemetery, where my in-laws are buried, so there are trees, but in a, in a big swath of area, there's no trees at all. So, but uh, but still, when you're entering in, there's always a tree here, 
So what you have to worry most is not going to the graves. Being on the road is a problem because you got graves. Let's say this is the road. You got graves here and a tree like this. So unless they're careful and they cut the trees, it's a major problem. So that's number one. Your biggest problem is you can't even get into the cemetery. Second problem, let's assume that is not a problem. Now, let's assume there is a major crowd. You know, in Eretz Yisrael, you can understand this very well. Eretz Yisrael, a great rabbi dies. There's thousands of people. When there's thousands of people and there's a crowd, what happens? You get pushed. So imagine, Steve, let's say 5,000 people come to a, a funeral at uh, Party Shul. And Steve's okay, I'm going to stay eight feet away. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden he finds himself on a bunch of graves. So therefore, we say you got to be eight feet away to make sure that you don't accidentally go over it. So that's the issue. So, and since we can't be so careful, so over here, this is what the markings are showing. Anyway, so we got a question. The Bryce says it's a problem anyway, right? If there isn't, if it is not, if it's not been plowed, we assume the area in between is tame. Well, the first rabbi said it wasn't. So our public's got to answer. It depends how the lime is spread. I'm a Rav Papa. Rav Papa answers. Hacha, here in the Brisa that teaches it all depends on the plowing. We're speaking of the, the lime was spread in a little different way. Kishahasid shafuch al roshehem. The lime is poured on the tops of the stones. Umeruda lakan And it's spread thinly here and there. Meaning between them. So it seems to have fallen there from the tops of the stones. Okay, so it seems that they put it on the top of stones and it kind of blew over or something. So now, so if there's an indication of plowing was done between the stones, then we say between is okay. Why? Because we'll say, we'll say because due to the plowing, the lime was peeled from the stones and fell in between and became stuck. That's when you're saying that. But the elo. But if there's no line, that if it's not been plowed, then we assume that seed the baini baini. Who we assume that the line is only the trees, and ubaini baini tame and it's tame. Okay, uh, in between. However, when there's no line between the stones, it's obviously restore even though it wasn't plowed. So that becomes the difference. Okay. So it depends how it came or not. If it's perfectly intact, then it doesn't make a difference. I know we don't want to waste space and land in areas of Israel, but what's the point of plowing one wind between two graves? How much are you going to grow? Well, to go through two? maybe or something. They were plowing. Maybe to walk. The other yeah. side of the. Well, why would you plow to walk? You just you just make out of it. Again, we're thinking. Or maybe if you don't, it, it can cover up the great the stones. Yes, yes. Cover up the stones. Things you have wild things grow, right? There's no such thing as a plot of land that stays a plot of land. At least weeds grow. Yeah. Right? You go, you go, you go walk on, in the parks here. You go, um, what do you call it, by John Street. You go for these walks. You see, if they don't maintain it, it's, it's growing like crazy. Imagine, you put, you put a, a, a stone here, you put a stone there. And what happens? You don't do anything. Before you know it, it's covered. You don't even see the stones. So you got to plow to be able to see the stones. Wait, let's do a little bit more. Now, another teaching related to the topic. Ravasi says, 
Mitzad echad mitzuyin. If one boundary strip of a field, now we're talking about a field. Let's say you have a whole field. So here, let's say this whole part is marked for tumah. Let's say line all the way here. A big field, okay? So if you got on one boundary, there's line. Hu that area of the boundary line is tame. But the rest of the field is completely Torah. Both sides or? Everything, just this is Torah. the other side? Everything else is Torah. What other side? This, this is, is a not, line. This is a public road, whatever. Oh, okay, all right. They say you have a public road here. Okay. Now there's a field. All right. Okay, and here's the line. Okay. Okay, so in Talmudic times, fields were commonly separated by narrow boundary strips that were higher or lower than the fields themselves. In other words, you have a, another field. Okay, we got the... Okay, two fields. Okay, and here's the boundary strip. Okay, so, uh, so Ravasi deals in an elevated boundary strip on one side of a field that is covered with lime. This is covered with lime. Since only one side of the field is marked, the indication is that the tum is confined to that area. And since the elevated boundary strip is visible from a distance, that its marking indicates that all the ground beneath this tummy must be that buried everybody along this strip, one after another. It makes sense. Why wreck up a whole field? Yeah. Let's figure it like this. You have a you have a a family, you know, you have a, your home, your plantation, here's your big field and your cash crops. Okay, now family members die. Where are you going to bury them? Well, you're not going to bury them here and there and there and there. You just wrecked up your field. It's okay. We're going to take one area and just bury straight along that area. That's one way to keep neighbors out because they don't want to become tummy, right? So that's so. If it's on one side, fine. That is tummy, but every, there's no reason to say the rest of the store. Shnaim. Let's say one, two. So heim tmeim. They are tame, those rows. But everything else is tar. Shlosha, three sides are marked. Heim tameim, v'chola sada kulatar. Everything is tar. Arba'a, what if they're bouncing on all four sides? Look at this. This is different. Heim tahorim, they are tahor. But, v'chol hasada kulatmeya. But the entire field inside is tummy. Although the boundary strips are elevated, <clears throat> the ground beneath them is defined tor. Because since all the borders are marked, it's obviously intended to designate the field as a tummy one. And when markers are used to surround the tummy area, they are not placed over the extremity of the tomb itself, even if they are elevated. Since they're meant to designate the area inside, they're placed around the tumah. The marker is placed directly above the tumma only when it covers the entire tumma area. In other words, when the area alone is tumma, you mark that. But if all four are, then obviously there's tumma all over, and this is telling us not to go into the field because you have to make sure that it doesn't uh, affect them. And you know, and the Amar Mar, oh, I, why didn't you just put it uh, more? Use more. The Amar Mar for the master said, We don't distance the marker from the location of the Tumah. 
more than is necessary, not to cause a loss to the land of Eretz Yisrael. This comes to explain why when all four boundaries are marked, the entire field is in Tomei. Since we're not supposed to distance the marker from the Tumah, one must assume that the Tumah area begins from the very inner edge of the marker and not deeper in the field. Thus, one cannot cross over the boundary at all without becoming tummy. Okay, according to the printed version of Rashi, the latter clause comes to claim why all four sides field must be marked to indicate all that the entire field is tummy. In other words, why just mark one area? Marking only one boundary is insufficient to indicate the entire field is tummy, since we do not distance the marker from the tumma. Okay, so therefore that explains that idea. And we got to the two dots, and since we're not going to be learning now for another week or so, we're going to stop it here. The next class will be on, not next week, not learning at all. The next week, Monday morning. So we will have this coming Monday. Should have a class. I'll be back in Toronto on Sunday. So. Beautiful. All right. Well, Excellent day. Enjoy. No class tomorrow. No class, no class tomorrow. tomorrow. Have a great day. All right.